Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called In Blank We Trust. We believe that Christians should be marked by generosity and a deep trust and obedience in God rather than the materialism that so deeply permeates our culture. In this series, we will learn more about stewardship and trusting in God for our needs. Matthew chapter 25, we will read verses 14 through 30. If you do not have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you, in the pew in front of you. And that's our gift to you to take along home. Parable of the Three Servants. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it into proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant who had entrusted his five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gather crops. I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to one with the ten bags of silver. To those who, will, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant's servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and garnishing of teeth. This is wrong of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ray. 
Good morning, church family. My name is Ian, and I'm the outreach director here at Transformation Church. Um, so happy to be able to present the word to you this morning. Um, humbled to do so. And this is a passage that will hopefully humble you today as it's humbled me. Um, this is the second week in our series on giving called In Blank We Trust. As Pastor Carl mentioned before, God doesn't need your money. He's after your obedience and your faithfulness, of which your money is not exempt, uh, just so you know. Uh, last week was called In Me We Trust, and we talked about how instead we must trust in God, and spoiler alert, that's pretty much the message today, too. Uh, we've we've got to trust in God. Um, and today, we're talking about in security we trust, and how the only security we can trust in is Jesus Christ. And so, the book we're in today is the book of Matthew. If you don't know, it's the first book in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. It comes right before Mark, Luke, and John. And the Gospels tell about the life of Jesus, the good news that Jesus died to save sinners, of which... I am one. And each of the Gospels have different themes that you can kind of tell just based on their different perspectives. And Matthew really points out this theme of authority, that Jesus had authority. We see all the way in Matthew 1, it starts out with the lineage of Jesus, and it, says, it mentions right off the bat that he is son of David. Now, what, what does that tell us? Well, Jesus has a kingly lineage. Jesus has authority. He was the king to come from the line of David. He is the master. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus said, all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Jesus had authority. He spoke as one with authority in the temple. He has authority. And just two days before he spoke with his disciples here on the Mount of Olives, he came in on that Palm Sunday, Hosanna, his kingly entrance into Jerusalem. And so where we find ourselves today in Matthew 25 is often called the Olivet Discourse because he was, he was addressing his disciples on the Mount of Olives and and just before he had chastised the, the Pharisees and the, the scribes uh, for their hypocrisy. And then he had said that the temple would be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. And so his disciples are just wondering what's, what's going on here. They said, you know, how will we know uh, when the end is, is near? How will we know when you are going to return? And so... He addressed them in a series of parables here. And, and just before the, the parable of the three servants, or some translations you might see parable of the talents that we'll be talking about today, um, is the parable of the ten bridesmaids, or sometimes the parable of the ten virgins. And, right, and what it teaches us is that in light of Christ's return, we are to be vigilant, eagerly waiting on Jesus to return. 
As J.C. Ryle once said, while the parable of the ten bridesmaids teaches us to watch in light of his return, the parable of the three servants teaches us to work. We are to work in light of Jesus returning because he is our master. In the passage today, we find that Jesus is our master and calls us to work in light of his return. We find our security in the master alone. And so starting in verse 14, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The first thing that we see in the text today is that we have security in God because our gifts and money have purpose. What an honor it is to be entrusted with the master's money. This was no small amount either. Um, so the NLT translates it silver. Um, you'll often see a talent, and a talent was worth $600,000 in today's money. Like, that's, that's lottery money. That's crazy. I don't know what I would do with that. Um, well, in part, I kind of do. <laughs> When I, uh, when I first went to college, I was an 18-year-old, fresh out on my own, and uh, UVA had given me a, a little you know, stipend for living expenses. What did I do with that $1,500 that I had never seen in my bank account before? Went out and bought a nice new pair of Timberlands. I watched like every movie I could in the theaters. I blew it. <laughs> Ate a lot of Taco Bell. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. In my mind then, that was UVA's money. But how much more is that money worth when we understand that it is the master's money? It's God's money. Money is worth something because of the guarantee or the security that backs the money. If you look at like a dollar bill, if you want to pull it out now, on top it says Federal Reserve Note. It's backed by the Federal Reserve, which makes it worth something. It's the same way that we derive our worth as human beings. It's why human life matters. When Jesus was challenged about giving unto Caesar and the corrupt Roman government, he asked whose image is on the coin. The coin had Caesar's image on it. So Jesus responded to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But he didn't stop there. He said, give unto God what is God's. Now, what does that mean? Just tithe and every now and again serve a little bit? No. What this is getting at is the very image that we were created in. We are made in the image of God. Therefore, we are to give our entire self to God. Our entire lives are to be given as a sacrifice to the Lord. That's the only response we could ever have for the grace that he has given us. Do you know today that everything you have is a gift from God? And not only this, but the talents were given in proportion to each of the servant's abilities. Not only does God give us lavish gifts, but those gifts are uniquely distributed to each according to to the very way he made them. 
Because guess who gave us our abilities? God. He gives us gifts that complement the very ways he has wired us. So what does this mean for us? Well, your spiritual gifts are not an accident. Your job is not an accident. The money he gave you is not an accident. The Lord has given you all of that to use for his glory. And when we recognize the master of the property, the giver of the gift, the God who graciously provides his servants with spiritual gifts, relationships, jobs, money, then it puts into perspective the worth of the gift itself. Our security and what we have is related to who gave us the gift in the first place. And that giver, that master is Jesus. We find our security in the master alone. And so what do we see the three servants do with what the master has given them? Whew. Well, if we look back in verse 16, it says the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. So we've seen how our money has purpose because it's the master's money. And now the second point I want you to see today is that the use and the, and the use of our gifts and money is pressing and reveals what our security is in. Now, I love trips. I love planning out the trips. You can ask my family who's here today. You can ask my wife. You can ask anybody that knows me. I love trips, and I love planning out the routes, seeing all the sites, exploring all these new places. The most upsetting thing to me might just be if Alyssa told me she was going to Hawaii for a while and that I had to stay here until she returned. And in the meantime, asking me to add on to the house, fix up a bunch of things around the house, like, <laughs> what is that? What would that be? I would be devastated thinking of all the many ways I'd miss out, how Hawaii would be so much fun. And I think my response would boil down to two options. Number one, do what she said and add on to the house, fix up a bunch of things and eagerly await her return, or two, disregard her requests and fear the consequences. That would, that would not be good, I can tell you that. Now, there's a few things wrong here with this picture. Number one, Alyssa isn't my master and didn't give me all of my money and possessions and gifts. Number two, Hawaii might be fun, but it isn't worth the hope of eternity. And number three, Alyssa never said I would get to go with her upon her return. Jesus is my master. Jesus gave me all of my money, possessions, and gifts. Heaven is awaiting me, and there will be a day when Jesus will return to take me home with him. So what did these servants do in light of the master's return? Well, Scripture tells us that the first two invested the money and went to work. There was an urgency to their work. It was pressing. The first servant with five talents began to invest the money, Scripture says, and the, second, and the servant with the two talents 
also went to work. And I'll, I'll go back to this. When we know that it is the master's money, anything we have given to us by God, we ought to feel a sense not only of purpose, but of immediacy with which to serve him with our gifts. He did not give us gifts for us to just bury in the ground. Only that's what the servant with one talent did. Jesus said for us to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. In the Old Testament, when the Israelites rebuilt the temple in record time after years in captivity, Nehemiah 6.16 says, And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. See, the gifts that we have are meant to point others to Jesus. Any other use of our resources is selfish. It's selfish. Please listen to me today because as your fellow slave to Christ, we have got to be marked by faithful work. How will an unbeliever be able to tell any difference in a Christian, if that Christian is just as selfish and lazy as the world is, it says a lot about the master they serve or claim to serve. The servant with one talent dug a hole. And now in those days, people buried their money in the ground almost as like a savings account. They didn't really have banks as we know them today, so they would often bury their money in the ground. And it was to secure their money, or better yet, provide security for them. But you see, the, the servant dug a hole, actively working against the Lord's directive, actively. There is no option for passivity in the life of a Christian. You are either actively working for the Lord or actively working against the Lord. Jesus is coming again, and I'm pleading with you to work with diligence and eager anticipation of his return. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus said. Do you love Jesus today? Do you trust him? Do you find your security in him, or do you find your security burying the gifts he has given you in the ground? As Christians, we find our security in the master alone. So let's see what happens when the master returns from his trip. So picking back up in verse 19, it says, After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. 
The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So we've seen how our money has purpose because it's the master's money. And now the second point, sorry, <laughs> our money has purpose. What we do with it is pressing. And the third point I want y'all to see is that we find our security in what Jesus has in store for faithful servants, a prize. How glorious is that day going to be when Jesus comes to take us home? Do you think about that sometimes? As I've lost family of late and church family, people I know passing away, heaven's been on my mind a lot lately. And the older I get, the more my eagerness seems to build. This world is not worth living in if there's not a prize awaiting me. I'm going to repeat that so you hear me. This world is not worth living in if there's not a prize awaiting me. What is the point of our gifts and using them wisely if they won't be exchanged someday for a crown? And notice here that Jesus rewards the faithfulness of his servants, not in what they can provide him. There's nothing you can provide Jesus that he doesn't already have in himself. The work that these two servants did displays their faithfulness and their submission to the master. I yearn for Jesus to tell me, well done, my good and faithful servant. But there are times where if we're honest with ourselves, we don't feel that what we do even matters. Who am I, who am I that God will praise me for my service to him? J.C. Ryle once said, the best of Christians is a poor, frail creature and needs the blood of atonement every day that he lives. But the least and lowest of believers will find that he is counted among Christ's servants and that his labor has not been in vain in the Lord. He will discover to his amazement that his master's eyes saw more beauty in his efforts to please him than he ever saw himself he will find that every hour spent in Christ's service and every word spoken on Christ's behalf has been written in a book of remembrance. Let believers remember these things and take courage. The cross may be heavy now, but the glorious reward shall make amends for all. The master ends his approval of both of these servants saying, let's celebrate together. What does this eternal celebration look like? Endless praise to the one who so graciously saves sinners. In the Hebrew, this phrase literally reads, enter into the joy of your master. The joy of the presence of the Lord. How marvelous will it be to spend eternity in the fullness of the presence of the Lord. What a day of rejoicing it will be to just see Jesus. And this joy will only be fulfilled because of what Jesus has done for us. 
Hebrews 12.2 informs our work and the use of our gifts and money in this life by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Because of the joy awaiting him, he gave his life for his faithful servants. It can only be out of his work, his work on the cross, that we work. Please do not take from this sermon today that if you work hard enough, you will go to heaven. That is not the point I am making today. The work that we do is the fruit of a changed life by the Holy Spirit. That's it. There is nothing I can do to win Christ's approval. Nothing. You can never work hard enough. You can never work hard enough. Can you atone for your own sins? Never work hard enough. What I want you to understand today, though, is that faithful servants of Jesus are marked by a diligence to use everything they have for him. When you really grasp what he has done, the holy and righteous son of God coming to earth to die for sinful human beings who justly deserve death, and yet he reconciled to the Father those who would repent and call on his name to spend an eternity of joy with him. Enter into the joy of your master. How can we give anything less than our whole lives to him? We were bought with a price and yet sometimes feel that we are entitled to use the master's money however we so choose. And this is just as convicting to me as it is to y'all. Like don't, <laughs> don't think this is coming from Mr. Self-Righteous who's figured this out. But I'm telling you, we have got to be diligent in working for the Lord, using everything we have for him. How we steward what God has given us reveals what is truly our prize. The good news of Jesus saving sinners is the greatest treasure in the whole world. There's nothing greater. There's nothing of more value. I would rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Heaven is the prize and reward for faithful servants of Christ who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Let's answer the joy of our master. And as faithful Christians, we find our security in the master alone. Now, part of me wishes I could end here. That'd be really nice. Um, but I believe that would do not only an injustice to y'all, but an injustice to Jesus who spoke this parable. The story doesn't end here, so I can't either. Um, so we see picking back up in verse 24. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops 
you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gained some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Our money has purpose. What we do with it is pressing. Faithful servants receive a prize and unfaithful servants receive punishment. If your master is not Jesus Christ, you will not enter into his joy. I want you to look at how the unfaithful servant describes the master. A harsh man. He seemed to totally misunderstand the master's Character entirely. Did he even know the master? And did you catch when he said, harvesting crops you didn't plant? And gathering crops you didn't cultivate? Did he believe that the master was just having him do all of his dirty work? Maybe it was even unfair to use the master's money for the master. You see, when God gives us resources, not only can we be secure that it has value because it's God's money, not only because he gives it to us based on how he has wired us, but he is always with you. Jesus did not abandon us after the Great Commission. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Our advocate, advocate, intercessor, consoler, comforter, and helper. And it's that same Holy Spirit that prepares any heart to receive the gospel. The Holy Spirit must regenerate someone's heart, plant and cultivate, before we can ever harvest and gather. The work of the Lord is such a joy. And when we use our resources and money for him, it will never be in vain. Just as with Joshua, it is the Lord who goes before you. And it is he who brings the yield. Those two faithful servants really didn't earn those additional talents. God used their faithfulness to multiply the talents he gave them. Don't be afraid like the unfaithful servant. The Lord will never punish faithfulness to himself. Never. But if we love him, we will keep his commandments. We will use the master's money and resources for his glory Band, you can come up um, as I get ready to close. Um, 
As I was praying over this passage for today, I couldn't help but see connections to Adam. If you're not aware, in the book of Genesis, we find that on the sixth day of creation, God created Adam. And similarly to the three servants, he entrusted Adam with his property, with his money, the whole earth. <laughs> Can you even imagine? Genesis 1.28 says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. His earth had purpose. And he entrusted Adam to be faithful with stewarding well. But instead of engaging this pressing task, Adam followed Eve and found his security in disobeying God, just as the unfaithful servant chose to do. In Genesis 3, 6, it says, uh, after God had told them, had commanded them not to eat of the, of the fruit of the tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, Genesis 3, 6 says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. In the same way that the Lord came to settle accounts with the three servants, he came to Adam. Genesis 3, 8 and 9 it says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Just like the unfaithful servant thought he could escape the master's wrath by hiding the master's money, Adam thought he could escape God's wrath by hiding himself. There is no hiding from God. You cannot hide from God. Who you submit to as master will be revealed even if your master is money. What we try to cover ourselves with fig leaves can only be covered by the righteousness of Christ. We are clothed in righteousness. And it's because of that that we can stand on judgment day with confidence because if it was on us, there is no hope. There is no amount of work you can do to earn your salvation. It is based upon being clothed in the righteousness of Christ, as we sang earlier today. And just like the unfaithful servant thought he could escape the master's math by hiding the master's money, Adam thought he could hide from God with fig leaves. So what was the result for Master, or for, for Adam? Well, 
Picking back up in verse 23, it says, the master said, well done. I'm sorry. Oh, Genesis 3.23. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. So the Lord God banished them from the garden of Eden. And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Just as Adam was cast out of the garden, the unfaithful servant was cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If your security isn't in Christ, Jesus will cast you into hell. And that's sobering. Even Judas was a servant. You know that today? He was one of Jesus' disciples and shared in the ministry, Scripture tells us, in Acts 1. And yet he disobeyed the master and traded him in for 30 pieces of silver. Is 30 pieces of silver worth the cost of your eternity today? Submitting to the property instead of the master. Going to the gift instead of the giver. Running to stuff and not to God. And now, I don't think anyone can ever preach a sermon well without allowing themselves to sit under the conviction of that themselves. Just recently, I've already been asked about it today, if you drove past our house, you probably saw um, my totaled Nissan Pathfinder. And uh, my wife was in a car accident a couple weeks ago, and she's okay. Um, she's fine. Y'all saw her up here today. But we had been praying for the Lord to strip back stuff in our lives, what we found our security in, what we trusted in. And the Lord loves his children. Can I tell you? <laughs> he will stop at nothing to make you more self-disciplined, more self-controlled, more loving, more gracious, more kind. The Lord does that work in us. We need to submit to him today as our security. That car, I told you about college. When I spent all that money, part of me, I think, I was trying to find freedom in that because I had found freedom in my car earlier. I could drive around, but first years weren't allowed to bring their cars to campus, and so I was stuck. And, and a car provides you a lot of freedom to run. There is no running from God. Believe me today. There is no hiding from the master 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. I'm not preaching to you today a poverty gospel, but what I am declaring today is that faithful servants are marked by faithful work in using the money and resources that God has given them and using them for his glory. 
Is the security you trust in, is it based on Jesus Christ and his work on the cross? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross so that we could enter into his joy when he returns. All of the money and resources you have one day will fade. And the one thing that will remain is the love of Jesus who laid down his life for faithful servants. May your security be found in him today. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you have paid it all, God. God, that there is no amount of work I can do to earn my salvation, God, but that you have paid the debt that I owe, Lord. God, that we never have to be afraid, God. We can run to you, God, submit to you, Lord, and that you will bring forth good works in us, Lord. God, help us today, Lord, to submit to you. Help us to use everything we have for your glory, God. It is only you, God, that we can trust in. Thank you today, God. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.